Welcome to another episode of the Grappling With Life podcast. I hope you guys are nice, refreshed and relaxed uh, and uh, chilling uh, as much as I am. I feel good today. Um, and I'm here with Ammar Akbar. Yes. From SPC Therapy. Welcome. Correct. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming and braving the London traffic. Uh, <laughs> from New M to, uh, it's, it's become ridiculous now, the traffic road. Uh, but Barclough, for coming. Um, uh, I'll just explain a little bit. Like, I came across your videos quite a while ago. Um, and uh, we joined TikTok. Uh, how long have you been on TikTok for? Maybe three months, something like that? Yeah. Not, more than that, actually. Maybe even six months. Actually, I joined TikTok as a, a civilian not as a <laughs> not as a not as a business so as a, a civilian yeah. I, I come off it straight away bro Don't i was like above it, it was like because the algorithm hadn't hit what i like in it so yes. it was just promoting yeah all uh you know the stuff yeah yeah so i'm looking for i thought this is this what society is bro i thought nah bro. I, I i signed out and i was like no never again yeah mm. And then I, I just couldn't ignore it, bro. Like, it was just like, so we, we set one up for, we kind of, we, we made it, a, I don't know why, when we first started, we made it a thing not to be on TikTok for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Actually, we do know why. It was a, a space where we didn't really see we, we fit in that space, if you know. Mm-hmm. But alhamdulillah, like, and then we, we kind of like started to look at it and, um, you know, we need to kind of be in this space. And then, after you know you start following people and yes and that you know and, and stuff like that and then your stuff started coming and it was right up my alley bro so mm-hmm. alhamdulillah it was all about you know health and and what i liked about yours was that it was very informational mm-hmm. and straightforward to the point um and a lot of the stuff that you were talking about um obviously resonated um I don't know if you know or don't know, but we we, we run a gym called the Legion in, in East London, Leighton. And I'm always looking at, you know, health. And I think I got interested in it, actually. Where I really got interested in health is um, around 2012, 13, no, maybe 13, 14, I gained a lot of weight. Mm. So I had that dad bod, bro, like really, <laughs> really bad dad bod. Like I, I'm a thin guy, like I'm... Just to give you an example, when I got married, I was about 70 kilos. Yeah. Yeah. 70, I was thin, bro. Uh, and I, I, the way he raised his eyebrows, he goes, right, you're not 70 kilos now, <laughs> <as well>, bro. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, as you can see, I'm not 70 kilos anymore. And yeah. obviously there's a few factors, which is obviously uh, body fat. And obviously like you gain muscle as you get older in it. Um, mm. By that point, I really started to suffer from stress related issues. Okay. So, uh, I started breaking out in hives. Uh, well, like, I thought I was dying. I'm not, I thought I had cancer or something, bro. Like my mind went there. Like, like I didn't realize. And you talk about this as well in in, in your in your posts about stress. And and at that point, I didn't have any idea about stress and you know like how it affects you and all this stuff. So I started breaking out in hives. I started um, a, a panic attacks, heart palpitations. Um, what else, bro? Uh, like, I, I developed white coating in my mouth. Like, you know, candida. That's why I mentioned it before. Mm. And uh, stomach cramps. Like, so I think, what is going on? So I went through this journey. Actually, stuff for like, it was about 2011, actually. Sorry. It's before us, uh, we started with uh, with Dr. Amir Legion. 
So, but yeah, by that time, and um, I was like, I'm freaking out here. Like, mm. what is going on with my body? And I was about 30 at the time, I think. Yeah, just just touching 30. Um, I feel like this is a consultation, but <laughs> but I just wanted to give you an idea of where, yes. where we are now, yeah. So, so what happened was um, I started looking into... I said, you know, what, it's got to be, it's got to do something. I don't like taking medicine and I don't like taking a lot of pharmaceutical medicine. And you go to the doctor, he's going to refer, he can give you citalopram or whatever it is. Well, not citalopram, what's the, there's a depression medicine and all this stuff. I said, oh, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to deal with all that. Yeah. And I've got a martial arts background. So I've always like had affinity with, you know, sports and fitness and stuff. So I thought, okay, let me, the thing, diet, nutrition for me was like, I never had to because I was always skinny. You know, so I never had to th like think about, um, oh, uh, losing weight or anything. Uh, but it was that—that that was the first ever time that I thought, oh my god, I need to lose weight. I looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, Habibi, you look like yeah, porridge in a Tesco bag, bro. Do you understand? <laughs> Start getting. <laughs> so that's when I started my my journey of self discovery, and and I started looking at. I went on a paleo diet. Yeah, that was the because for me, I didn't want to count calories, and I didn't want to do any of that. I thought, you know, what's the quickest way to lose weight and the thing is i wasn't really training much i wasn't doing any weight training or anything um uh and then subhanallah i saw the weight loss but then my muscle mass started to i think i was like my body started eating itself or something yeah and uh the one thing i started developing was severe cramps in my legs mm. because of the sharp decline in carbohydrates allah alam what, what the problem was um i think it was electrolytes or whatever it is um, and then alhamdulillah, I started losing weight, but then I've just been yo-yoing. And, and then eventually I met Dr. Amir and he put mm. me on the right track. He was like, listen, this is what you do, this is what you do, this is what you do. You've got to eat on time. You have to make sure you eat the right type of foods. Mm. You have to do weight training. And alhamdulillah, since then, I'm not, uh, the, by the way, when I started dieting, some of the stress-related problems started to fade, mm. but it wasn't completely. But when I started training properly, like weekly um that's when it started to i realized that when i when i got stressed if i go in the gym and i come out this the 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 symptoms went mm -hmm. so like i said so when i went into your tiktok i was like yeah this guy i knew we need to get him on you know and i saw you at the, uh, uh, someone's wedding uh <laughs> i saw the back of your head but there's so many people <laughs> i didn't have a chance to kind of uh that's why i was like you know what let me just message him and yeah. and I said, alhamdulillah he came today and i appreciate that that was a very long introduction and a lot about myself this is now about you inshallah um so yeah yeah um so tell us a bit about yourself Akhi. yeah so from a young age always played football i was you know i tried like you know every young kid's dream to become a a footballer so i did play at a decent level nutrition was in my mind but i didn't know what i was doing that's one thing i could tell you i did know one thing that was i could say that was back in my mind that it was never about demonizing one type of food i was always had this understanding that i need a bit of everything the body needs a bit of everything and I always knew that it's the the food that you get at home will feed you the best. The outside food, people are not going to really take care of it like your mother does, yeah. end of the day. I had that back in my mind, so I knew that. But what I was doing is that I was overtraining. I was overtraining 
And although my body was developing from young, from age of 14, I was developing and growing. But one thing I would notice is that there were times where my legs would get really heavy and I didn't really know why. And I didn't know that even after I completed that journey of, of being a sort of a, trying to become a footballer. But I always knew that my legs became tired and I just couldn't carry myself anymore. So my my level would decline during the match. I would start off brilliant. I will be like the best player there. But afterwards, after maybe 20 minutes, whatever, I would decline. But I never knew that. I never knew why. Now I know. <laughs> That's the thing. So I was always into football and always football. The sacrificing my whole life was football, football, football. Because of that, I always had the interest of studying something around sports as well. Do you know what? But I wanted to just study it. I want to go into like the deep sciences of exercise. And that led me to study. Or in fact, before before that, I was in college doing football. We did this. They used to, I mean, I think they still do. They have these academy sort of schemes or you could say programs where you are studying and you are also part of the academy. It's not an academy with a you know pro team or anything like that, but it's an academy as part of that college. Mm. So you're studying and you're playing at the same time. You have your games, you're training like somebody who's part of an academy, and then yeah, you have your assessments, whatever. After when you finish, you could go further. You know, you could go into sort of applying for scholarships in America, or you go to uni, as long as you get the the requirements. So that was me. I got the requirements. I ended up going to Kingston University to study exercise sciences. And that was it, just exercise science or sports science. can't remember what it was called. But I dropped out because I had an opportunity to go to America to play scholarship, basically play football, soccer scholarship. And I did the hard work myself. I refused to pay an agency to basically get me out there. I recorded myself. I recorded my training. I emailed, I think, maybe thousand different coaches, putting myself out there. I done my SATs, everything. I got the requirements so I could just go to America and study. I had everything. I had everything in my hand. And then there were some, there were some issues where I said, you know what? I cannot leave England. I have to stay here. Contacted the coach over there. Not going to disclose the university, but um, I contacted the coach and said to them, look, I can't come. They had my name in their roster, everything. Mm-hmm. Everything sorted. Good. They gave me like 70% scholarship. That means I get to go to America, <clears throat> study what I like, play football, have my accommodation, food, everything, everything for £3,000 a year. Imagine. What you're paying right now and what I had to, even back then, for the standards, for the amount of fees that you had to pay, it was still a great deal. So that was the university level, right? Yeah, university level. So they call, they call it, you either play Division 1 or Division 2. These are the two levels that you play in America. And this university was in Division 2. doesn't matter because over there, it, for basketball, it matters a lot. But for football, it doesn't really matter. As long as you're D1 or D2. D2 is even better because D1, you expect like Harvard and Yale and those universities to be in it. But in D2, where all the proper footballers are going to be. So I, I was, I got a D, D2 opp- opportunity, but I didn't go. So I said, forget that. And then I ended up looking for a university that was taking students at that time. It was quite late. 
June clearance. And so, so sorry, this. So I'm guessing you were roughly about eighteen at the time. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Eighteen, so, nineteen years. So um, eight, I was so I went to because you Kingston. dropped out. Yeah, you dropped yeah, out. Yeah, I was yeah. there for a while, okay, and then right. about, I think uh, I almost completed a year. So, so it's then the September I was after. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I said no, I'm not going back. So that's when I had the, I, I worked hard to get my opportunity. When I got the opportunity, I was about twenty, actually twenty, twenty one years old. I had the opportunity. I said. Now I'm preparing myself to get ready to go. Ended up not going. And then went to another university yeah. to study the stuff I wanted to study initially anyway. So so can I ask you a couple of questions? Yeah. So about D2. Mm-hmm. So in because wrestling has a similar thing in America, yeah. Oh yeah. Um so you got D two, D one wrestlers and then you got like national championship and, uh, yeah. and all that stuff. But is that like would you say the that's the soccer program and the football program yeah. is a feeder for MLS basically. So you go yes. through this and then that's the progression that you go on to, to get into the MLS basically. Kind of, but over the, for, for football is a little bit different because it's, everything's kept in terms of the stats of the player, everything's kept. And if you stand out, then you will get scouts come and watch you. Mm. Otherwise, as a player who was there, what you meant to be looking for is opportunities to play in the summer development league. So when the university finishes, they have another league that starts up. And in the summer development league, you're playing against the academy players of the older top MLS teams in America. Okay. So you're meant to be playing there. You don't have to, but if you want to make it, then you do. You should. Because you can get picked from there, especially if your numbers are good. Like your stats are good. And they keep all the stats. Everything's recorded. Because the big NCAA... The NCAA, yeah, NCAA, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, they they keep everything like everything about the the athlete is there, including your eligibility and things like that. So you have to apply through that to get. Yeah, they're quite yeah, cool in America. They've got like a website you can type in your name yeah. or the athlete's name. You can track them through the whole the whole journey. It's quite amazing, right? Yeah. So the stats the stats are there, and if the coach likes you, they sees everything, they'll come watch you, and if you're good enough, then you can have a good opportunity. Friend of mine did the same thing. He ended up playing professional in Denmark or wow. Sweden, one of those countries anyway. But because of injuries and things like that, he obviously had to uh, call it a day. But um, he had his fair share of the professional game. He was good here. We was actually, you know, there were times we were playing for the same team and um, we were on this journey to go out there, this, you know, at the same time. But he went a little bit earlier and he completed the whole journey and then he took it all the way. And well done to him because a lot of the things I was following his advice, um, like how to get the whole opportunity without going through an agency because the agencies would charge you about two, three grand. And this is just to showcase you to the coaches that are coming. But, and it's not even guaranteed that you can get a scholarship. Um, but what we did, we literally went directly to the universities, we emailed them and said, look, this is me. This is who I am. This is my ACT, um, uh, SATs, SATs. These are my grades. Mm. This is my transcript. Everything. Um, and for any young individual who is interested in football, who's currently looking at opportunities like that, and they're thinking, oh, I can't pay the university's fees here for whatever purpose that is. This is this is your way. This is your way. And I don't know how your parents would feel about allowing you to go abroad, but this is almost like a, like a, like a way out of the whole dilemma you could be facing. Mm especially if you're good enough, especially if you've already played for an academy here. 
So that's the sort of path I was on. And then I, I didn't take it. Went to a university here. Can I ask one last question about yes. football, yeah? Yes. Just about, why didn't you apply for what, Arsenal, Chelsea, West Ham? Did you feel like <laughs> it was like harder to break into those yeah. things? Is that what it was? It's very difficult. Mm. I, I saw, like I had, you know, you could call it a trial, you could say, for for QPR was one of them. Yeah. Queen's Park Rangers, one of them. And really and truly, by the time I had those sort of opportunities, I was already 16. That's too late. You're practically middle-aged, isn't it? They don't even <laughs> for, for football, you're yeah, middle yeah, yeah, that's too late. You're playing just, the guys that like Foden played 16 in the Premier League. Exactly, yeah. that's that's too late. So I mean, Zach had a, a tri yeah, trials, didn't it? With yeah. Gillingham before he tore out your ECLs, bro. Yeah. So he had, a, he had a similar opportunity. Even me, bro, I had trials for West Ham and stuff like that. Yeah. But you know what I found? I found that because football is an ancient institution in, in the UK. Yeah, yes. there's a lot of, I don't know about now, but even now we've got, you got guys, for example, recently, who got like monkey chance at him? Was it oh, yeah, uh, uh, Lukaku, Vinic was it? Vin uh, Vinicius, Vinicius, Lukaku yes, had it as well. Oh, did he? Okay. I think it was in the Champions, it was in the Champions League. I, th I think, anyway, like, uh, and Mika Richard was talking about it. He goes, how, the, there's Thierry Henry there and mm. Mika Richard's on a, on, a, on a panel. And Mika Richard goes, how is it that Henry is sitting here and he had the same stuff going on 20 years ago. And now we're talking about the same thing. So you see that the, it hasn't really, doesn't look like it's changed, bro. You know, football clubs have, have, have changed, but I feel like the, the barrier to entry is so, like a lot of the times you've got to know someone. You've got to know a scout. Your dad needs to know someone. You're, it's, it's very difficult to get in. It's, it's interesting because my dissertation for my first uh, sort of, when I stayed with the university, so London, Met London Metropolitan University, uh, that was the university I went to and not going to America. Uh, at the end, I decided to basically do my whole project. You could say my final year project on this matter. No way. Yeah, because it meant something. It mm. meant something to me. And I, I thought, okay, so why is it? And then at the end, it came down to not just one factor, many factors, including racism is there. So you would have coaches that would be that are instructed to go out there not to specifically pick Asian footballers. Seriously? Yeah. How did and you find this out? This is there was actually a documentary on this. Uh, I think it was Rio. Rio Ferdinand. Oh no, no, no. Anton, Anton, Anton Ferdinand. Yeah, I remember watching it. Yeah. it. Okay. Yes. So he spoke about this, and one player told him he was really good, county player, Asian. I think he's from Pakistani background, and he was told by the scout because he approached the scout like oh how comes this is like you know why am i not getting anywhere well, like what, what was wrong and he was told yeah the reason why we're not picking asian players is well because we're told not to wow. by the by the club just barefaced like that yeah and that's it's sad one thing the second thing is that they have their reasons why their their club mm. believe you or not nutrition also comes into this because they believe the Asian players, they don't have a good sort of a balance in terms of their nutrition. They're not going to sort of adapt. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to develop to the type of a player that we want them to be. And, you know, so all of these things matters for them. So that's one thing. So they think they're not going to be physically strong to be able to compete, etc. Um, other reasons will come down to, they say, oh, they're not going to have their family support because of the cultural reasons they don't take sports serious. That's other reasons. And 
there's also not not many role models. But then how do you expect to have the role models when they're not given the opportunity anyway? Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that works. Catch 22. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. So there was multi sort of a factual reasons. And I went around basically interviewing and, and looking at sort of exploring this whole idea. Why do we not have players? And, and what factors do you think is influencing this? And at the end, yeah, it came down to a lot of it to do with racism and sort of lack of role models and and, and yeah, so it's just, just not also just statistics a as well. Yeah, the, the number of Asian people in the UK, and then from those, how many of those play football, and then from those who play football, how many actually go? So there's a, there's not obviously like, and then and then and then there's on top of that there's that barrier of getting in as well. So yeah. it's almost impossible, like you know. Yeah. So the guys that actually get in. Uh, like I can't even name me. There's Michael Chopra, yeah, and then there's uh, Riz. Uh, what was his name? Play for Bradford. Yeah, his name uh, and Fulham. It's part I can't remember his name. Uh, and I've been uh, so away from football because I used to know these players. And yeah, whatever. But I've been so. <laughs> and then far there's away the Chowdhury, who's half, yeah, half Bengali uh, and yeah. half Jamaican, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know what you said about physicality. Um, I experienced that. Mm. Yeah. Um, because I was North African, yeah, they kind of look at you like a, so black players, um, you know, North African players, you know, like they look at you because you look at your body size, okay, he's tall, he's got wide short. They, that, that does play a massive, because the English game is so physical, yeah, but you can't lump all Asians into one, <laughs> one thing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because they think, oh, Asian players, they're not really big or, but Ashley Cole's tiny, bro. So is Gary Neville, bro. So mm. is, do you see what I'm saying? So it's Messi, the world's best Messi, player. Messi, Messi, exactly. He was wasn't he given HGH, bro? Yeah, so he was. He was given uh, very expensive. Of, yeah, treatment. Barcelona did invest a lot in him. Yeah, um, um, I thought that was a myth, and then I, uh, an article came out saying, mm. yeah, he was actually given human growth hormone to, or, or something like that because he was yeah, tiny. He's gone through a few things, two therapies. Of, yeah, yeah, a few therapies. Yeah, therapies there, but yeah, so I mean, if the talent is there, then you know, subhanallah. So there. So I interrupted you. So you were saying, you were saying, so. Like you were switching from, so you obviously the reason that you're not going must have been very big reason why. Yeah. Um, so you switched from 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 that whole kind of track of football. Yeah. And then, like, talk to me. Like, how did you feel at that point? Like having to make that decision. That how was, easy or was, how difficult was was this was it a decision? I I I, <laughs> I haven't shared this with uh, many. People and I guess it would be nice to sort of let it, let it sort of out there. I, one of the biggest things that had driven me to sort of, um, you could say, stand by my decision and and made it sort of known to me that this is a solid decision. You're not going wrong. This is absolutely the best decision you can make in your life. Was the fact that I was not really practicing, and it was at that time. Uh, in my life where I said you know what I'm staying here so if I'm letting go of football I let this thing drive me whole of my life like it literally from the age of 15 and onwards until you know 20, 19 whatever 5 years 4 years this was my life you know I'm going to let it go and I'm going to focus on things which matters a lot more and you know when you're sort of growing up you, your mind is maturing you're seeing other important things around you with family and things like that. So I saw the importance of family and how I missed so many events. I used to go on holidays, come back early because of my trials and whatever. 
things like that. So I thought to myself, I've missed out a lot. And it's like I've been blinded because this thing has taken, taken my whole life. What's interesting here, this is the point I've made to another youngster, in fact, is that if you've seen the movie Matrix, mm. the first one, and this same point actually was made as part of, you know, there was an old uh, documentary, The Arrivals, and they spoke about the whole process of uh, whatever, not going deep into the government and stuff like that. I don't really care about that. <laughs> but what I care about, that fantastic point that they've made about um, the lady in red, you know, the lady in red, how you are, you know, you're going through your life, everything's, thank you, everything is, is sort of, you, you have your eye on one thing, well, everything else is going around you. You don't care, but your eye is on that one thing. And no matter what happens, your eye is still going to be on that one thing because you concentrate on one thing and you want that thing. And it's really beautiful. This is what you want. And you can see in the movie when Neon is sort of, he's just going around, he's discovering things. He's not really paying attention to anything else except that lady in red. When I saw that point and, and I was watching around that time, I said, oh my God, football is my lady in red. I've missed out on so much, you know? And that's when I said, if, if, if this is the lady in red and you can see at the end that lady in red turns into something else and it's actually bad for him. Mm. So I said, this is the lady in red and I, I must let it go. I, I must let it go and start bringing things, sorry, bringing things together. And that's when I started to practice Islam, pay attention to Islam a lot better. You had a 20-year-old man, you could say, 20, 21-year-old man. One second, I think the mic's gone off. Or did I touch it? Has the mic gone off? Yeah. yeah. If you just push the back in a little bit. See the, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Done? I think so. Is it done? Yeah. 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 All right, cool. So you had a 20-year-old man here who's not really practicing, doesn't really know how to, you know, pray on, on whatever. That that was embarrassing for me. So I said, this is where I'm going to start first. Mm. So I caught up. A lot of the things I had to catch up. So you could see when I start to pay attention to Islam, Islam, what Islam does to you, it tells you what real life is about that this stuff is just games. Mm. These are all just fun and games. But this is what real life is about. When I got deeper into Islam and got the understanding of what the whole point of my purpose is on earth, I did not regret my decision. I said, I know exactly what I'm doing. And I'm going to take this further. Here's an interesting point. I wanted to take Islam further more than my university. I said, I'm going to give up. I'm going to drop out of this course as well. And I finished, I was coming towards the end of my first year. I'm going to drop out and I'm going to go study Islam deeper. I'm going to, you know, study Arabic. I'm going to go abroad, whatever, proper, do it proper. Come out as somebody who wants to influence and give da'wah and, and call people to Islam and, and, you know, draw them closer to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what's interesting, I, I was studying a bit of tafsir at that time as well. My sheikh who's passed away now, rahimullah. And... I, I asked him, I said, what do you think about this decision? And I think what he told me there is the reason what I am today. And he said, Amar, no matter what you do in your life, whatever it is, but do not be that person in the future where your family and your friends, they're all sitting in a circle 
Everybody's gathering, everybody's talking. They're talking about their achievements. You're the guy there that wants to get out of the circle and is ashamed to talk about anything because you haven't achieved anything in life. He goes, do what you like. Whatever you think is right for you, but do not be that guy. When I heard that, I share this wherever I go. And that was the most powerful thing that I've heard. And I said to myself, first and foremost, <laughs> you're starting things and, you, and, you, and you're sort of finishing and, and, and you're not com completing things. Islam's not about that. Islam is about the, conquering. The, the mic's gone, so sorry, Akhibov. So, so yeah, the whole point about not being the guy in the circle where he doesn't talk about his you know, uh, achievements and I thought to myself, hold on a minute, I'm starting things, finish, not finishing them, letting them go. I don't want to be that guy that has that reputation. And also, what guarantees for me to, or what guarantees me right now for me to take Islam right now when he, and, he, and he takes me far? You know, there's a lot of catching up for me to do. There's a lot of foundations that I missed out on. And it's not like certain places going to open up a door for me. I don't have the finances for it. So let me complete my degree. And I'm going to do my best. And believe it or not, my results were not good. They were not, you know, average. Sometimes even below average. But from that moment onwards, everything picked up. Alhamdulillah. So not only I ended up doing one bachelor's, I ended up doing a second bachelor's, I ended up doing master's. I ended up getting my qualifications in these other complementary therapy. I ended up sort of starting what you guys see on social media um, with SPC therapy, the videos. And I went deeper and deeper into my studies and that paved the way for me to go deeper in terms of knowing how to, pe uh, how to help people from the core 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 uh, and when people talk about primary care i wanted to bring another understanding to primary care and when they say primary care i'm talking about real primary care from the bottom foundation level so hence why now as as of today i look into look into that stuff and, and imagine it started from making a few decisions and Islam has is, is been the backbone of everything for me. This is what I was going to say. Like, yeah. um, it doesn't mean that you have to choose. No. What Islam is in our DNA, in, it, in, yeah. in everything that we do. Yeah. So I'm sure you found that out as you were. Yeah, I, yeah. Exactly. So it's, Islam has always been the backbone of everything that I do. And there are, you know, there are certain verses, one particular verse, um, which talks about um talking about basically if i if i was to try to recall it yeah a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim ya ayyuhalladhina amanu lima taquluna ma la taf'alun kabur maqtan 'indallahi an taqulu ma la taf'alun so why do you say something that you do not do yourself in essence indeed with allah is hatred to those who basically Say fulfill. and do, do not fulfill yeah. what they set out to do. So for me, this is a big verse. Because if I'm telling people to live like this, behave like this, I have to set an example for myself. And you can see in some of my videos where I recently put up saying, oh, when they thought that they, this healthcare professional was all talk. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that one, yeah. I have, I don't really care like what, what my body's like. Because in the, the day, for me. And it's that whole 
it's part of the whole longevity thing that I talk about as well. Mm. Because end of the day, muscle will go. Everything will go. But the way you look after yourself, yes, we can see right now it's muscles. Afterwards, there's other things. There's other layers that need to shine. And if those layers are not shining, you're going to be in trouble. And longevity is about those other layers. It's not about the muscles. Mm. Although the muscles have their part to play right now, but it's the other layers that's going to be far more important later on in your life. And that's the whole understanding of longevity. It's about looking after your metabolism, or you could say components or systems in your body, where then later on in your life, when things are slowing down, it's not going to be as bad because you've looked after these things that's meant to be the backbone of your health. Building blocks, yeah. The building blocks, yeah. yeah. So that's a really good point to kind of uh, swerve into this, the main mm. subject. Um, uh, I, I think, number one, I really want to get into what is longevity because this mm -hmm. word gets, From, you know, there's that guy, I don't know if you've seen him, bro, you must have come across him. You know that guy? Dr. Hyman? The one who's doing that experiment. Is he a doctor, that guy? He's oh, always no. topless, bro. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> with, with, the, with the ponytail. He's doing this um, anti-aging thing. What's, bro, what's the name, guy's name, man? He's all over YouTube. It, for some reason, he comes up on my feed a lot. So he's doing this thing where he's spending millions and millions of pounds oh, okay. on uh, his body. Yes, I know who you're talking about. I don't know his name. I don't know, I know his name. You know what about, yeah. the blonde guy. He takes like millions of pills and whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. And He's, he's very to, rich as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he's uh, an actor or something. How, is he an actor, yeah? I thought, I thought he maybe was an actor or something. But I, I think, yeah. where is he getting this money from, yeah. man? Because apparently it's like a million pound a year or something he's spending on or more than that. Um, yeah. To be honest with you, I, I didn't really do too much uh, digging into his personal background or whatever but he's all about you know sleeping like for example simple things like sleeping on a there's this mattress that he's got that cools him down and warms him up to kind of wake him up and all this stuff mm. and taking his pills taking <laughs> taking like the, his blood out and yeah and checking and, and checking his glucose and all, all that stuff yeah which i think he's doing it for from from a scientific scientific point no, he has yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah which is uh uh and I appreciate it. I, I, like, I like the hustle. I appreciate the hustle that he's doing. But I feel like, um, like when I look at my granddad, for example, um, my, my father's father, yeah. Um, so Allah Mubarak, yeah. Like I've always, um, so I, I never grew up with him. He, he's, he's, he lives in Algeria, but he used to come over like quite a bit. He doesn't come over anymore. He hates this place, bro. Like it's just the weather, the people. He, he doesn't yeah. like it. He likes to, but um, I remember like he was. He, he, he's how old is he? That one, but eighty. Almost yeah, he's almost Ali. almost yeah. ninety. Allah mubarak. Yeah. Only now, his body's starting to break down. You know, interesting. So, interesting. but one, I'll tell you the kind of things that I picked up when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, he wakes up. Mm -hmm. At the same time Every single day Like he's Meticulous Yeah And he's sleep Bro what's going on He's going to sleep bro This is a specific time He's regulated mm -hmm. Yeah Number two He doesn't eat a lot Like And And he has to eat At specific times Otherwise yeah. My grandma's got him 
Like she, if the food's not there, he's the, like he's gonna get agitated. Mm. You know, yes. and it's not because he's hungry. He just he's he's been like that all his life. Allahumma barik, his back's straight. You know, um, sure. you know that look in their eye. You know, it's very sharp look in his eye, uh, very alert. You know, um, like he would walk. Um, he's got, he's got animals and stuff like that, and that he looks after. And I remember thinking, like looking at him, thinking, "Subhanallah!" Like, like he was really impressed. Like even simple things, like he would have a on his pillow, he'd have a towel, like a square towel. Do you remember that, Zach? Mm. Square towel. He have a miswak, the Quran. And like a couple of uh, things that he'd have, like he'd make his bed. Yes, it's like military role. Uh, very disciplined. Uh, doesn't overeat. Doesn't. There's certain foods he doesn't touch. Or sugars and stuff like that. He eats a little bit, but he doesn't overindulge in sugars Fantastic. and you know all these things. And Lama Barak, his body, he, he, he's. Um, I don't even. Think he, he, I think he's maybe does take blood pressure medicine later on, but because he's Algerian, bro. <laughs> like that's probably he's got to do with that, bro. Like mm. uh he's got a quick temper, you know, he's very kind of uh, highly strong individual, yeah. And um and he's from a generation that fought against the French. So like he's had trauma, you know, from things. So he's dealing with that. But but Allah Mubarak is very but Alhamdulillah he's still ticking along now, he still goes to the masjid, you know, back and forth from the masjid, Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, you know. This is a role model. Role model, bro. Absolutely. And um so I start to think, okay, what? Like, and then when, as I get older and I think about it, I think, subhanAllah, the, people are just finding these things now. And he fasts Mondays and Thursdays. You know, like, does the sunnah, the, the sunnah stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and now these guys are picking up fasting, intermittent fasting, doing all this mm-hmm. stuff. And another thing I realized as well, Amaria, when I went to Algeria, is they, didn't, they do not eat that much meat, bro. Yes. Like, like you'd think Arab country, yeah, mm. um, like me and they don't. They mm. uh, culturally Friday Juma, yeah, they'd have they'd go out they, because it's weekend, isn't it? So after Juma, they'd eat couscous with meat, with meat. and yeah, vegetables yeah. and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But summertime, so look at this. Uh, the hikmah of this as well. Summertime, lot of salads. Mm. And they talk about things like hot foods and stuff like that. Like they don't really eat hot foods in the summer. They don't eat cool foods like cucumbers and like aubergines and stuff. They don't really eat them. And there's things like that. But this is stuff that's come from the sunnah, bro. This is stuff mm-hmm. that's come from, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So to kind of, and I think one video that came up that really struck a chord with me was when he talked about the four cornerstones of health. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you kind of go into that as well, inshallah, because I feel like that that's a good, you know, jump off point. So yeah. if you kind of just explain to everyone and, and to myself, I'm really keen to hear about yeah. these four cornerstones. How did you come across this? Where and how do you implement it? And, and and so on. Yeah. So with every, I'll tell you where my in, sort of interest and more whole understanding of, of this became solidified. You could say like it became solid. Um, I start looking at sort of these common conditions whether you can think about diabetes, fatty liver disease, um, thyroid issues as well, high blood pressure, cholesterol. These are known as metabolic conditions. Just to do with your metabolism. When can you explain goes to wrong. us what the metabolism is as well? Yeah. yeah. So metabolism, for you to have this understanding, metabolism is a process where you have two parts. 
one of them is known as anabolism. The other one is catabolism. And they both make out to be metabolism. So anabolic, anabolism. Anabolic and catabolic. Yes, right? exactly. Right, okay. So it's about storing, storing and collecting. And then you also have using what's been stored. So anabolism is this understanding where you're going to be taking and storing things depending on where you store is this depends on different signals and what your body's going through and catabolism is about this understanding where you're going to be utilizing these stores when we're talking about stores what are we talking about it's the thing that's coming into the body this is this is the thing so for you to have a much easier understanding of a, a metabolism is metabolism is about bringing energy from outside of the body into the body and utilizing that energy in what way it depends on your activity so either storing it or using it. using it yes right, okay and if you think about these common conditions insulin resistance which is behind many if you if you if it becomes chronic if it becomes a long-term issue you lead on to become many issues including diabetes cholesterol even it'll affect your nerves your nervous system and new, your neurons in your brain, etc. So it will affect all of this. So, why do we have insulin resistance in the first place? When the energy comes into your body, it has to be converted. That glucose that is made available, it has to go into the cell for it to be utilized and be converted or to go through that whole energy process so it becomes ATP within the cell. What's ATP? So this is basically its component, its energy, uh, unit of energy. It's energy. That's what that's what they. It's energy basically. Yeah. Okay, I got you. So, if if you are having this glucose that comes into the cell and converts into the whole the Krebs cycle that they talk about, the energy transport chain that they talk about, the whole glycolysis, all of this, and the ATP production. All of that is depends on the behavior of your mitochondria. Mm. And this is a organelle within the cell. All of this takes place due to this organelle of the cell, within the cell. You're losing me, bro. It's so yeah. basically. So if you break it down, so I, yeah. I, so I know, mitochondria is like the li lifeblood, isn't it? Of, it's the energy it's house. It's the energy house, yeah. 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 So or the powerhouse of, of a cell. Yeah, so to, to, to kind of go back, yeah. yeah. So you, you, you talked about um, bringing energy into the body. So yes. with food, right? Yes. Uh, so you, that, that, en that energy now comes into the body. Yes. Now you said it's either you store it. Yes. Or you use it, right? Correct. So yes. storing it. Yeah. What's the fun? So, what kind of? Just give us one example of how we so store fats. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. storing fats, using it like carbohydrates uh, um, or, or, or glucose or whatever, glucose energy, energy, right? Energy. Yes. So that yes. We, we need that to kind of function and all that stuff. Absolutely. Okay. Good. Yes. So now, there's it depends these on the activity. So if it's a f if it's going to be like a activity, for example, um, aer uh, anaerobic activity. Yeah. Something that's high intensity. Then you want that and that glucose. You want to be. You want to utilize the glucose, and your body will utilize that glucose. Right. But if it's going to be a long endurance, aerobic, then it's going to be more relying on the, the fats, the stores. Right. I got you. You understand? Yeah, yeah I got that. So, yeah. So okay. So. So for example, if you're someone who's inactive, mm -hmm. and you're taking that energy, and you're storing it, 
but you have no way of burning it, right? So this is yeah. where the situation so comes in. So you're just in. storing? And you keep adding? Storing? Right. And storing. Got you. You have these reserved energy tanks, glycogen tanks. You have them in your liver and you have them in your muscle cells yeah. as well. If these tanks become full, you're in trouble. Serious? Yeah. And they can't become full. They can't, ever? They can. They can? They can. Oh, right. And what will happen is so that it's going to be... So, no, go, go ahead, go ahead, finish. So, if it's, if it's going to become full, then it has to be stored as other forms of fat. You're talking about yeah. visceral fat. Yes, there's some amount of it that we do need. So, glycogen, so you, mm. you mentioned three things, yeah? You've got glucose and, and all that. Mm -hmm. What is glycogen? Bro? So, glycogen is basically... A substrate after glucose. Right. So when when glucose gets broken down, right, then the other part of it is also glycogen. They forget sort of in your body, it's kept in the body as sort so, of a reserve. Oh, I understand. It's like off, it's like um when you when you process oil, you get petrol, right? Yeah. It's, it's a bit like yeah, that. A bit like that. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 a derivative of glucose. Yes. Which gets stored in the body. Yes. And then it gets used at a later point. What, whenever. Yeah, when so the body can tap into I understand. It. Okay, I got you. So so your body, subhanAllah, it's, it's basically like having petrol in your tank. Yes. And and as your body is, it, it pulls it from, and then the it goes into the combustion engine, that yeah. burns it, that that gives you momentum, right? Yeah. So the so you're saying, so like, I'm trying to, uh, so you're saying basically, if, you, if you're an inactive person, mm -hmm. you've, st you've taken glucose in, you've taken, you've stored all this stuff, now, the stores it goes into the glycogen that gets full when those get full it has to go somewhere else yeah and this is where you start building up body fat right and yes. other types of yes things. so physical inactivity is a big is a big part of it big yeah. role to play in it yeah and that is one of the pillars what about activity. things like for example eating more <laughs> than you burn so you could be someone who is active but you're eating more than you what you need yeah then that's what i spoke about uh it's going to be stored in a different way it all depends on your physical oh, activity i see so it's different because than it from someone who's sedentary like is not doing anything i'll give you a very nice way to understand this you may have somebody exactly the same height from the same family they eat in the same way you give them piece of cake yeah the only difference is is that that other person say b is training a little bit. So he's a little bit more active in terms of, he builds muscle. Yeah. What will happen is that the person who does not train A, he eats the cake and then the B eats the cake. Because A doesn't train and B does train, there's high likelihood of A having that piece of cake and that glucose enters the body, that glucose get, you know, the, the blood sugars go up, the glucose is there. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't get utilized, so it has to store. Right. And it could be stored as visceral fat. They could be both, you could say, unhealthy at the same time, but just one trains a little bit, that's all. It just does some weightlifting. Now, because the other one weightlifts, what will happen is that there's a high likelihood that the glucose that came hasn't entered the cell because of some issues, whatever, insulin resistance. But then it gets stored as glycogen, rather than being stored as visceral fat, oh. which would have happened for the person 
who does not train or anything like that. I get it now. So so basically, at that point moment, his glycogen stores might not have been full because he kind of trains anyway. So does that make sense? Uh, he simply has more glycogen stores because he trains. Oh, he's got more tanks. Yeah. Than the other guy. Muscle, oh, I didn't even know you muscle, can build more tanks. Muscle, now. if you the more muscle you have, the more glycogen storage you'll have as well. That's so that's why level. Michael Phelps can eat a whole pizza he can eat whatever, and whatever he, wants. he wants. Right. Yeah. That's why I would put weight training above all types of training. However, it needs to be balanced, yeah. but it's one of my favorite types of training. Because I know what that can do for you in terms of longevity as well. Not only your metabolism, but also your longevity. And we also know that weight training is good for keeping your metabolism active. Mm. And when we're talking about active metabolism, it's all about that being able to switch from anabolism to catabolism or anabolic state to catabolic state, storing, utilizing, breaking, and having that flexibility to do that. So there's no such thing mm. as, oh, fast metabolism. There's no such thing. You can only increase it by a little bit. The, meta the metabolic rate in terms of the uh, in terms of that way yes there is a slow metabolism and damaged metabolism or slow basal metabolic rate there is that but there is no such thing as a fast metabolism so damaged metabolism what, what mm -hmm. so is that repairable yeah okay so how can you damage your metabolism so this you have to go into the four corners so if you are the four corners sleep physical activity Stress and not balancing your food. I'll stop you there. Yeah. Zach, where are you at with these four corners, bro? I know you don't sleep, bro. <laughs> I know you don't sleep. <laughs> and that goes with me. I'm terrible sleep. I mash up all of them, bro. So what's the mm. other one? Sleep? Stress. Stress. Man's highly stressed now <laughs> because he's, he's trying to move house. <laughs> what's the other one? Physical activity. Physical activity. <laughs> Last time we saw him in the gym, he got his blue belt and he, met, he went missing. You know what's interesting? There's a, when we say being physically active, it doesn't necessarily mean for you to go and exercise every day. Yeah, yeah. It could be a form of just walking, brisk okay. walking. Bro, do you walk, bro? <laughs> He drives everywhere, by the way. What's the other one? What's the last one? I mean, I walked so, down the stairs. So we did sleep. Stress. Stress. Physical activity. Physical activity. And balancing your food. And balancing your food. What, what's your food like, bro? But I've lost okay. weight, bro. Allah Mubarak, bro. You've lost weight. I know you have. But I'm yeah, asking you a serious... That, when's the last time you weighed yourself? Uh, just after Ramadan. Okay, so <laughs> that's debatable now, isn't it? You lost because of what? Because of Ramadan. Yeah, Do and then I had a toothache, which I didn't eat. Oh, yeah, so that's then I lost more weight. Fake, yeah. But anyway, just, <laughs> but I'm the same. So, like, I'm really keen to kind of um, drill, drill down into this, yeah? So I think there's a couple of things that you said from those four that people don't really pay attention to. Mm -hmm. I think sleep is one and uh, stress is another. We don't really connect that with, we think that's a mental health thing. So, yeah. Which it is, it is, yeah. But from my experiences with stress, that what well, I told you in the, in the top of the show, um, I didn't, like, for me, I was ignorant to the fact that there are other stress. Like, I was speaking to Dr. Amir as well. He said, you know, stress, one part of it is mental. But he goes, you know, like things like Wi-Fi, things like pollution, things like uh, sometimes even things like, for example, when you're in a crowded place and there's lots of people talking, your brain has to do something to drown out that noise. It's, the noise is still there, but 
Imagine like you're in a in a busy cafe and it's really loud and you're with your friend. Now, when you're speaking to him, you're going to hear him, right? But your, your 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 brain is still processing all the other bits of information. It's just drowning it out a little bit, you know, all these type of things, yeah. But um, but obviously, there's the physical stress of just life in general. Well, I think when it comes to stress, the big thing we need to understand. You have the physiological stress. Mm. What happens inside of you? This is all good. We can't blame this for anything because these are the same things that allows us to function every day. Mm. It's, it's, it's the same stress that gets you up in the morning. Give me an example, like when you're talking about physiological stress. Where, so where, getting up in the morning, that right. cortisol goes up. Uh. It's meant to go up, get you up. Or other sort of stress hormones as well here. It gets you up and gets you going. You're talking about from the scientific point of yeah. view, the word stress in the sense of... Physiology, right. physiology of it. Okay, okay, yeah. But then we have external factors, stressors. Yes. And this is my advice, which I give to my patients, my private patients and normal patients as well for the NHS or private. I say to them one simple thing. I said, if you want to start looking at your stress, find out what they are in terms of the external stress. Find out what are the things that's causing you stress. Go and write them down. Mm. The more you know about them, the more you acknowledge it, the more you can have control over it. And this will prepare you. It doesn't mean you go on head to head with it straight away. You go and make a plan. And it doesn't matter how long it takes you. Go and make a plan on, as long as you recognize what they are. Go and make a plan for how you'll be able to tackle them slowly. You don't have to do 100%. You don't have to do 50%. Even if it's like 1%. And... I think it, would, it was quite popular not too long ago, the Atomic Habits, the book. Yeah. yeah? You spoke about the importance of 1%. Every one. day, 1%. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So understanding what the factors are from external point of view will have a massive effect on what happens internally in terms of physiology. And i give you a great example on how stress directly links with sleep. Now, we get on with our day. We get up in the morning, we'll go to work. So we are stressing, our cortisol levels are going to be a certain point. But then it drops. It drops. Then we eat as well. And that can also raise it, depending on how you've eaten. The behavior eating has got something to do with stress. But also you have all the other factors that work, etc. You mean comfort eating and that yeah, type of stuff? Yeah, yeah. or eating in a hurry. Mm. You understand? And then think about it. We get, if you're working nine to five, you get about, what, half an, half an hour of... An hour. Or an hour, half an hour to eat. eat at your desk. You know, eat at your desk. Yeah. You're eating in a hurry. I'm not even going to go into the digestive issues this will cause you, but to have the understanding <laughs> of what this will... Are we laughing at? <laughs> but we eat in a hurry for, like, well, for no you reason. You my family. <laughs> <laughs> if you used to eat with my family, bro. <laughs> have you seen the same... You know, same <laughs> We like even when I when I first got married, my wife was looking at me like, "What is what are you doing, bro?" <laughs> I, I I personally had a habit myself, and I tried to work on it, but that alone that could be a whole podcast stress. on his own. His own is had, had to yeah, so go on. That alone is stress. And now, when you come in towards sort of afternoon period, that's when you feel your stress is sort of your cortisol levels have dropped. That's why we feel tired. And, 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 and sort of we don't want to do anything and then you want to take a nap mm. but then you do something whatever then it goes up again you may have a coffee or you do some way to get that 
tiredness to go away. Mm -hmm. So you do something. So that cortisol levels goes up. What's going on here is your cortisol is like up and down, up and down, up and down. There's not really a balance, mm -hmm. you know. And then it comes towards the end of the day, you got home, you eat again. That has an effect on your cortisol. What happens now is that you are now in that state of, this goes into also, we call the autonomic nervous system, the fight or flight or the rest and digest. So what you're doing, you're coming in, in and out of each one. Come towards the end of the day, come towards the bedtime. Due to the activities what happened throughout the day, that will determine what your cortisol levels are going to be towards the end of the day. So if you were... More so like a store, a store of cortisol, almost like a, or almost like, a, like, but it's it's just more about in and out, in and out impact. Uh, yeah, the impact. Right. So if you're somebody who is terrible at handling stress, anyway, there's more likelihood of that you coming towards the end of the day when you want to try to sleep, mm. you're gonna go through that high cortisol state. If your cortisol is gonna be high before you're trying to sleep, good luck on sleeping, because your body is gonna be active to do stuff. Your brain, most likely, because 25% of your calorie or your energy that you put into your brain, uh, into your body, is utilized by your brain every day. Everything that you put in your mouth. 25% of the energy, of your total energy that comes into your body throughout the day, uh, total percentage of the, the total energy that comes into your body, 25% of it is utilized by your brain. It's like VAT, bro. You get taxed. The brain taxes it, man. <laughs> yeah. So VA, the the brain is is very very greedy in a sense. Mm. So, what's interesting what you said. So, with the, to go back with the cortisol. So you're saying that basically because you're 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 you're, you're peaking and, and and dropping, peaking and dropping. Yeah, peaking. Your body doesn't know that. Um. So, but so you get to the end of the day, it's thinking right. I'm dropped. I might have to peak up again. Yeah. So you're saying by the time you get to sleep, it's thinking, oh my God, this guy's going to do something crazy something, again, yeah. bro. Yeah. So you're saying the idea is to kind of slowly curve, it. curve it, curve the cortisol yeah. levels down. And that depends on what you eat, what mm. you drink, everything, your stress, like your, the stress factors. So all of that it deter de determines how your cortisol is going to be towards the end of the day. And that's when we utilize certain herbs as well. Because one of the herbs, which you You're may talking about that kind of... <laughs> What kind of no, you talking about? we're talking about ashwagandha <laughs> here. So ashwagandha isn't that the stuff that they smoke, bro? They don't smoke. Well, I'm, I'm not sure. Who don't they go it. to Peru and, and eat that and get? Isn't that psychedelic, bro? No, not ashwagandha. That, uh, that's the mad honey. That's ganja. No, no, no not ganja, bro. There's that. Um, Subhanallah, what is that called again? Joe Rogan talks about it all the time, bro. Uh, ayahuasca. Sorry. Okay. No, no, it's, it's, no. So ashwagandha. ashwagandha is here's an interesting herb. This one here, and a lot of people are taking it wrong. Right. Ashwagandha, this way I utilize it with my patients. I tell them to take in a specific time in the day. So this is between 5 and 7 p.m. Why? Because ashwagandha is known to inhibit or excite. Or excite. Or excite. Interesting. What are we talking about here? We're literally talking about your cortisol levels here. It can inhibit it or it can excite it. And it's got about four hours of uh, activation in your, in your body. After that, it sort of just goes. How does it know to excite or? Well, this is the this is it. it it's it's working with your nerve wow. with your neurons. Everything that you eat, no matter whatever you eat, has some sort of a neurotransmitter anyway. Imagine so that's it's alive. It's, 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 it's alive. alive. Yeah. That's crazy. So these these things are literally there. Well, these herbs, many other herbs to 
have that effect on your brain. So what I'm saying that people are taking it wrong is that they're taking it early in the morning, for instance. Okay. But why? What is your purpose? What are you trying to do? So if you're taking it early in the morning and you're trying to excite yourself to basically get you going, have the energy, but your cortisol levels are already high. What are you doing? You're messing with the cortisol here. Do you understand? Live that naturally. Let, allow your cortisol to do its own thing. Even things like coffee and stuff like that, you shouldn't be really drinking in the morning because your cortisol levels are naturally going to be... Subhan, that is so important. Like for me, coffee in the morning uh, was like, is a ritual, bro. It's Crack. It's, yeah, but I... It's, 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 more, it's become more of a habit as habit, well. Though. It's a habit, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so um, I was listening to that uh, Dr. Huberman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, One of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's amazing, bro. Allah Mubarak. Um, may Allah give him hidayah, bro. He knows all, the, all that about the body. He should look into Islam, man. <laughs> I but, wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just be interesting to kind of... Uh, but Because um, it's the first time I ever heard this before. So he was saying, why are you drinking coffee in the morning? I was like, bro. <laughs> like, in the podcast, I was, I was listening to it. I was like, what do you mean? That's stupid, man. You, you want to get... You want to... He goes, you should drink coffee three hours after you wake up. Three, four mm. hours. So have it like, so if you wake up at eight, have it about 11. Yeah, yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? If you wake up at seven, have it about 10. Because I didn't realise until you mentioned the cortisol levels. I was like, okay, right. It makes sense. But yeah. I wake up tired, bro. Bob, you need, a, <laughs> you, we need to send you to our Mars clinic and you need to do you some know, sort of these like... Are, these are the simple tests. Like he needs, we ask, like, he needs uh, ashwagandha, bruv. Anything that you've got, just pump it into Shilajit. your body. Shilajit. <laughs> Shilajit. Mad honey. Mad honey. <laughs> All at the same time, bro. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, bruv, honestly, bro, you've just hit 30, innit? Yeah. No, you're actually 30. No, no, no. I'm 31. Oh, you guys are the same age? A couple yeah? months. Okay, okay, please. Habibi. Please. <laughs> Bruv. It's the most... You know cortisol? Yeah. If cortisol was a product, he'd be the, he'd be the guy. He'd be the... You know the guy that's like holding up like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, so... Like, yeah, so, so to go back to... Go back to the saying, ashwagandha, yeah, the way I utilize with my stress patients. Right. I said to him, take it between 5 and 7 p.m. So what does that do? Interesting thing, more, some of them depending on, you know, their sleeping hours, whatever. So I, I ask them to take it around that time. A lot of them got kids. Imagine their kids are going to be coming from school <clears throat> or madrasa, things like that. So by then their cortisol levels are going to be quite low. When that's low, that's going to irritate you. Anything will irritate you, mm -hmm. you know. Like things are going to come and get on your nerves. You're going to be low energy. You don't want to do anything. You get into arguments and things like that. So if you're taking something that excites it, that raises the cortisol, that's fantastic. Then you need that. But it's not going to be too much because by the time you get to bed and things like that, it's going to be slowly, slowly coming out of your body. Do you understand? So it's about knowing when to take these herbs and what to take it with as well. That's where the interesting part comes in. So there's timing for each of these herbs, like shilajit, for example, as well. Fantastic for energy, as they say, as you might find some research around Actually, it. I don't know anything about shilajit, bro. Shilajit is we're an gonna, interesting we're gonna herb. Go, we're going we're to open the shilajit door, bro. <laughs> go into the shilajit, Let's go into bro. it, yeah. Let's go into it. So the shilajit is an interesting herb because what it is, is decomposed plants from the rocks of the Himalayan mountains. This would include Pakistan. So you're talking to me? Oh, oh, mm -hmm. sorry, he's on the phone. So this, go, this will yeah. be Pakistan, India, Nepal, 
Afghanistan. Is it a specific plant or many different plants? Right. They decompose. They become almost okay. I'll bring up the bring up synergy in an image search, please, bro. And also, you know, when you bring something up, at least let us know, innit? We're deep in conversation and you're <laughs> scrolling around, bro. That is it. So that's that's more um, the solid version. That looks of like it. licorice, bro. It does look what's like the licorice. Cons- but what's it the is consistency? Horrible. Is it? It tastes horrible. That's where you find them like that. So you can see these are sort of deep decomposed plants on on top of the mountains. And what they do, they collect this these 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 sort of the rocks, and they abstract it, and then they filter it. Depends on where it is being sort of prepared Because, now that's the important thing here for us to understand Depending on the tradition, depending on where Which village or who is preparing it You have to be a little bit careful Because in certain cultures Certain places in the world India and Nepal specifically They tend to purify it using cow urine Right So this is quite problematic because they utilize it not only they utilize this process not only just to purify but it could also be done through a religious ritual right okay i got you yeah so this is where a little bit it can be a little bit problematic or where you get your shilajit from well and, i'll ask you a question bro. yeah yeah who the hell <laughs> first was like you know you see that rock over there yeah <laughs> let me go suck on this rock so i can get some energy <laughs> I don't understand, bro. You know, sometimes when you think about how do they find out these things? There's a rock. You see, oh, listen, you see that rock? That looks, that looks like it's going to That looks bad tasty. <laughs> it looks tasty, bro. Oh, you know what? I'm feeling kind of tired. Let's climb that mountain and suck on that rock, bro. I don't understand. <laughs> well, like, you know, human beings, well, like, it's honestly. I, I sometimes, I honestly believe, sometimes this is the, the gins and whispers things today. Yeah, honestly, that's what I believe. Like, you know, I haven't looked deep into it, but I've got a friend who is deep into Islamic knowledge and, and sort of Arabic language, and he goes deep into the Arabic language. Thank you. Um, and he speaks about the old poetry, old Arabic poetry, and those people go deep into the language. They have to study it. Yeah. And when he sort of talks about certain poetry, he goes, this is no way written by a man. They were inspired by something else. You know, so inspirations like this, I think they're, in everything mm. like, a lot of these things like these guys that go to do this ayahuasca and they say i went into some realm one guy yes. brother, i heard this story do you mind if i share this with you no, it's no, a no. bit it's a little bit of a detour that, yeah <laughs> but um there's this thing called this youtube uh series where i kind of got like you know when you go into one video it goes into another one mm-hmm. i'm not trying to excuse myself but basically the stories about people is experiences on psychedelics Okay. Yeah. So there's this like guy. He goes. He 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 took something else. I think it was LSD or whatever it is. Yeah. He had. He's. I think it was in a, co- a comedian. He was talking about it. Can you imagine? He said that I spent. He goes. I got married. I had kids. <laughs> he goes. I went through a whole life. But it was only forty five minutes. When I woke up, yeah. He goes. It was like forty five minutes later. So they went into like a whole different realm, bro. And there was this scientist, I can't remember, like um, he was saying, they're actually trying to map the psychedelic realm. This mm. is like, this is project. I think the army was trying to do it. I think in the 70s or lower, I, don't know, I can't remember exactly the details, but these guys are trying to map the psychedelic, the, 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 that realm or whatever, yeah. So when you talk about, you know, like a lot of things that have been discovered were because someone just got licked in it. 
that's what happened, didn't it? Someone's, someone got licked off something and he's like, you know what? Let me write some poetry. There's another thing as well. Yeah, yeah let me write some poetry. Or, or, or no, bruv, a guy, why are you licking frogs for, bro? There's one guy, he found out there's this specific frog. It was, it was um, I think it was a scientist. They found that this frog, if you if you lick it, that you get licked off it as well, bro. Yeah, like yeah. I'm like, so Pana, how do you think you know that frog? Let me go and lick that frog and, and get a bit, you know, loose on, on it. Yeah. SubhanAllah. So um so yeah, shilajit. Sorry, we're kind of like no, <laughs> a little fine. bit. But okay, so they, they, they were sucking on those rocks, yeah, or they, they got the rock and they and they, they there's a process and the process sometimes yeah. it takes a while. Yeah. Um and then you end up with this tar like mm. what you saw on camera earlier on. And what you simply do, you you mix it in water. Some mm. other cultures they mix it in milk and stuff like that. They even add egg and you know stuff like egg. whatever. Yeah, they, they mix it and they say this is good for your bone growth and things like that. Mm. In my country, it's very popular in that way. They they mix it like that with milk and egg and stuff like that. So it's not just um, it's not just an Indian or Nepalese or, or whatever. It's it's all over. Mm. Pakistan knows about it. Afghanistan knows about it. But only specific type of specific group of people or from different specific place in the country mm. especially the mountainous areas more closer to the himalayas they they know about it but what why what's the purpose of shilajit good so there are benefits to shilajit according to what you'd find i say potential benefits okay because every biology is different we don't know what's gonna help you so in terms of the benefits the main benefit is testosterone boost for for male male individual Testosterone booster. Um, other benefits: anti-inflammatory, antioxidative, and as well as sort of helping you with your energy, mood. You could see like things like that. So they give it. So is that why Afghans have a lot of kids? Those ones, <laughs> Pakistanis and stuff. They say that. <laughs> it could be. It could be that. Yeah. Say so that. What, it is what? useful fertility in that person. Uh, Memory. That okay. forgot about that. Memory is another one. And there's been some interesting studies that done done on the uh, sort of memory and linked it with dementia as well. Okay. Alzheimer's with uh, with shilajit. So using shilajit to as a they, therapy. Yeah, as a sort of a, to improve memory. So how, combating dementia. How often do you like take that. it? You meant to take it every day. But how? What about you? Me, I used to take it every day. But what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to sort of do absolutely everything from food. Mm. It's my own sort of experiment, you could say. Right, okay. Talking of experiments, what I did, in fact, I did my own little experiment with Shilajit. Um, I'll talk a little bit about that. So what happened is that I said to myself, I'm going to go get my testosterone tested. You're looking at sort of testosterone total, and then you get the free testosterone. Free testosterone. Can, you look at everything in, in the whole picture. And then I said to myself, I'm going to take Shilajit every day at the same time. I'm not going to change much with my sleep, my food, nothing. The only thing that's going to be looked at is just shilajit. Very difficult to control things like that, but yeah. I, I did my best. Yeah. So I did that for about nine, ten days. And then I, when I got my test done again, there was an increase. However, here's the difficult part. I'm not going to say to you, yeah, this is the study and that's where it's done and you should do the same or whatever. No, I'm going to say that. But what I'm going to say is that it's very difficult to test these things as well. Because your testosterone going up and down very quickly within a matter of minutes, depending on stress, depending on what you went through. Do you understand? But if you want to purely look at it from what it says on the paper, yeah. 
he, he seems to have done something. So, like, how much was it? How much of an increase, like, percentage was, if you had to guess? I, if if I, if I can remember accurately, it was done about six months ago. Um, you're looking about five percent. But five percent? Did you feel three to five percent? It was about. So, did you, what 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 was the like anecdotal? Regardless, how did you feel? Regardless of what the paper says, yeah. My experience of taking shilajit, number one thing is energy. Mm. You go into the gym, you feel. Oh right, let's go. So do you take it, then go to the gym yeah. like a pre-workout. You're meant to take it like a pre-workout. Oh. I take it every. You're meant to take it every morning, because one thing about shilajit, it can if you take it in the wrong time, because it's something you're meant to take and utilize the energy. It's almost like a Red Bull. You're gonna, you're not gonna have a Red Bull and go sleep. You know. Yeah. You yeah. want to have it when you want to utilize that energy. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it does something to your rhythm of your heart and, and things that like pumps you up. So you're meant to use it in that way. And then go for your daily sort of yeah. work or gym or whatever. Okay. So that's how I used it in the mornings. And it does make, it, there is a difference. I, it's not studied well. Yeah. I'm not going to say to you, yeah, the, the study suggested. It's not. It's anecdotal from your side. Yeah, anecdotal from yeah. our point of view. Yeah. And also the thing is, is that there has been studies done to say that it's absolutely fine for you to take it. It doesn't do anything for you. But it's banned in certain countries. Serious? Yes. Why? From, for, I don't know. They just like say like where? Um, from my understanding, Australia is one of those countries that banned it. But there is a total list. Uh, there's about 120 something countries that ban it. I don't really know why. Although you got a study that says it's totally fine. Mm. But I think the problem is, I think what I think the reason why why might be banned. There are some studies that might they have said that it causes you this. That's because they might they may have taken the one that's been mixed with something that's causes not meant to be mixed sorry? with, causes you all these issues to to, oh, to your body. Right, like they, right, they right, say right, something right. about, I think it was something to do with your heart or whatever. But okay, it, it depends on how they've taken it, and, and it also depends and, on how and, much they've yeah, taken, yeah. and also depends on where was the shilajit from, what was it mixed with? Because it's very easy to find the ones that's been mixed with a lot of rubbish. Yeah. yeah. So this is the thing, but it's a very old, all of these herbs that I've mentioned so far, the ashwagandha, the shilajit, it's very popular in Ayurvedic medicine. Yeah. It's type of an old traditional medicine from, I think it's derived from, it's from India. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's popular. They use these herbs to improve people's lives. But remember, it's all to do with the knowledge when you're taking these things. If you're taking it in the wrong way, mm. you're going to cause yourself some problems. For instance, shilajit, if you take it in the wrong time of the day and you're taking the wrong amount, you literally will feel palpitations in your heart. You will feel that. It's like taking pre-workout. It's like a pre-workout. Yeah, I've, I've had guys, <laughs> one guy took pre-workout and um, he was having a conversation with someone. So normally you take the pre-workout and go work out straight away. Yes. But I think he delayed it for about 15, 20. This was one of those strong ones. But he started itching all over his face. He started mm. like, freaking out. Do you remember that day? Yeah. I think it was... Um, Bro, one guy was hospitalized, bro. What, in the gym? Remember, bro? Who? Emir's uh, student. I don't think I was there, bro. Bro, he's not from our gym. He got hospitalized. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I remember, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. had like a heart attack. Is that yeah. No, it wasn't a heart attack. Uh, let's just, yeah. 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 So, so this is this is the thing. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so we use these, uh, we use these herbs and utilize it in a certain way to improve your health. I would say anyone um, listening to the podcast right now, go and follow 
Uh, I'm Mars TikTok, bro. <laughs> Thank like, you. Honestly, well, like, like uh, I'm not saying it because, like, oh, obviously you're on the show. We want people to follow you, and but honestly, it's, it's actually good. It's good advice. Um, well thought out. Well, the content's well thought out. It's, it's not. Um, what's the word? Uh, you know, guys like to get slick with the t videos, in it. They start doing acting and whatnot and all this stuff, and you know, doing CGI and stuff. Yours just straight up to the camera. Here's the advice. Yeah. Keep it moving. And Alhamdulillah, it's entertaining as well. Um, but I want to kind of, so we talked about stress and sleep. Yes. Yeah, we touched on those yep. two things. Before we get into it, we're going to cap off this whole podcast with Mad Honey. I was hoping you'd bring some in with you, bro. So we can <laughs> both get licked, but it's fine. <laughs> but we'll, we'll cap that off. We'll, we'll leave that to the end. So if you yeah. listen, if you, got, if you got to this part of the video, wait to the end and we're going to, yeah. uh, uh, and uh Mad gonna, honey stuff. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna talk about there's, some there's, mad honey. Yeah, there's some good stuff to talk about the mad yeah. honey. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that so with stress and sleep. So, what was the other two again? So, um, balancing your food. Yeah, um, is one of them. Now, we're talking about nice balance. When you yeah. look at your plate, one thing that they say, like the the courses I've been on to and the doctors that I listen to when it comes to these things, he said, make sure your plate is colorful. Right. When it's not colorful, it means there's not a, like a nice balance. It's just, it's, it's, it's dominated by one type of a food. You know, it's like having a plate full of chips, just one color. It's boring. You know, if you're going to have a plate and it doesn't have to be just one meal, as long as you balance your food throughout the day as well. But if you're having one or two meals in a day, because you can do that, just make sure that is well balanced. And yeah. when we're talking about balance, you have good amounts of protein. Good amount of, and I tell you how you can eyeball that and how you can measure that. It's very simple te techniques here. You got your protein, you got your fats, you got your carbohydrates, and you got your fibers. And for you to easily measure this without even going into too much detail, look at your fats, look at your, uh, you look at your sort of your your carbs, and, and you look at your you look at your fats, and it should outweigh your protein. Okay. If you put them together, it should outweigh your protein. And so your fats, your carbohydrates, what was the other one? Put them together. Put them together. That should be more. Outweigh more than your protein. protein. Right. Together. And then the fiber, nice good source of fiber there. Um, there are simple tricks. Like if you want to really utilize a trick that I would, if you're looking really interested in, in sort of weight loss and controlling your carbs and what happens to your body in terms of, how your body processes your carbs have some dates before you start your meal or have an apple or have a strawberry for example and that strawberry could be mixed with a little bit of yogurt why this is to do with the utilizing fiber and also there's a technique that we that we utilize known so as a date food. strawberry anything like, that's high in fiber okay you eat that first or apple yes and or an apple, yeah. Because what that does, first and foremost, is of course your fibers are gonna go up. You're gonna feel more satiated. And then when you start, when you go into your actual meal, what you do, you start changing the order of what you eat first. Don't jump into your carbohydrates first. Leave that to last. So when it comes to eating your carbohydrates, you're not gonna eat too much of it because by the time you get to your carbs, you might be full by then. So the this carbs, is sort like of carbs. They 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 pack, like and also they make you if you, you feel like you want to keep eating as well. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of the favorite foods that we have is is like carbohydrates, and yeah. crisps, and all that type of yeah. stuff. Yeah. 
So this is food sequencing and at the same time understanding how to utilize your fibers. It's the fibers that make you full or tap into your satiation hormones. I really take care of certain hormones like your ghrelin, um, which is known as a hunger hormone. Ghrelin? Yeah. I swear it's Dragon Ball Z character, bro. <laughs> Was it Krillin? This is that's Krillin. That's Krillin yeah. Yeah. But I realized, uh, sorry, just to kind of divert a little bit. Yeah, I was watching because, uh, bro, I've been trying to avoid Dragon Ball Z since Rashid. You know, Rashid when we were in school, bro. He'd watch like and there's like five thousand episodes, bro, a season, mm. yeah. But I realized that the kids were telling me, you know, they all named us the vegetables, bro. I was like, oh yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, Vegeta, vegetable. Um, Kr- Krillin. Uh, no, no. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Piccolo. Piccolo. Yeah. Uh, Brock. 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 Bro, bro, there was one. Yeah. Yeah. They're all vegetable related, bro. It's interesting. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's a clip. In interesting. Itself, right? um, <laughs> but yeah. So these yeah. different nice techniques here. Yeah. Yeah. How to really concentrate. Now I'm not here trying to demonize carbohydrates because yeah. carbohydrates are fantastic source of energy. End of the day, the two main source of energy in the body is carbohydrates and fats. And then you also got protein hmm. that comes in here as well. Interesting, this is it's taught us in the Quran, so. and we don't even know about it. What was the the Bani Israel given from from the heavens? What is that? I don't know, man. What is it? It's some type. It's some form of sweets, some form, uh, some type of carbs, and quail. Oh. Quail is high. It's good, level, fantastic level of protein, fantastic nutrient when it comes to. Protein, I didn't know this one, but it's also fasting. So you can see even in the Quran, he talks about this, that the, the most important nutrient, uh, macronutrient to the human body is a nice balance of protein, fats and carbohydrates. Good advice and simple. That's yeah. the thing. I think if sometimes we kind of turn, kind of try and we, we overcomplicate it and a shameless plug here, yeah, but there's a brother of ours, Coach Khalid, he's got like a, um, uh, it's called Carbit, right? So his thing is, um, it's like a, it's it's a it's a meal plan. So mm-hmm. we, we a lot of the guys at the gym use it, and, and I think for me because I went in my whole low carb situation, keto yeah, I'm keto, doing. all that stuff. So he was he was he told me as well. He goes, bro, you, he's a he was a professional athlete and fought MMA at a high level. He goes, bro, you need to you need to fuel your body, bro. It's yeah. just we just need to learn how in it, like Absolutely. learn how to do it. And by the way. Uh, Links in the description if you want to get the the. It's got actually a free uh, ebook, right? Yeah. Coming out. I will put that in the description, inshallah, so you can get it and use that as a starting block um, for for your nutritional journey. And again, like as long as from what you're saying is be smart about it, don't overcomplicate. And that's what I love no. about your channels, Allah Mubarak. You give very good advice, Allah Mubarak. Um, and yeah, like what you just said to me, it makes complete sequencing thing. I didn't food I've, sequencing. Yeah. I've never heard of it. This is the first time I've. This is this is when you go into sort of the uh, digestion, the realm of digestion. Yeah, there's a lot of sunnah that put, that sort of was taught, was teaching about this. Yeah, we didn't even think of it. And you can I can go into a little bit if you want. For example, I'm big on cephalic digestion. Cephalic digestion in in. In Latin, it means start of digestion. What is that? It's your senses. The way you look up food, you, 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 you hear about food, you see food, you touch food, all of that helps you salivate. You got 20% of those pancreatic hormones that helps with the whole digestive process that get secreted whilst you're salivating. All about 30... It's preparing the, the preparing, organs. Yeah. yeah. You got all the enzymes and the acids that are prepared in your in your in your stomach area in your digestive process in your stomach and intestine 
that gets prepared for that food to come in. This is all by you looking at food. Right? And as a tactic that we use, I use, and it's, it's known, they're using functional medicine with the practitioners there when it comes to helping people manage their food intake and how you perceive food. They say, when you get your plate, smell it. Smell it, look at it. Don't just eat I've it straight never, away. I've never ever done that. Like I told you, we eat like frigging animals at home, bro. But we are taught uh, to do it. How, you might be gone. thinking. Yeah, go on. Before you eat, what are, what are some of the things you meant to do in terms of the say, sunnah? Say bismillah. Bismillah. Yeah. What does that do straight away? It makes you think conscious of God before food. It's almost like, this, it almost tries to disconnect you from that, you know, the habit or the greed that you want to just eat, eat, eat. It makes you feel food conscious. It makes you understand that, oh, I have been given the blessing that there's food, there's plate in front of me. So I'm going to try and enjoy it rather than not having any conscience, just digging into it. You know, and that, that starts building that relationship that you're meant to have with food. Even eating with your hand as well. because Exactly. That was the other point I was going to get into. When you're eating with your hand, everybody says when you eat with your hand, the food tastes different. And th these are some powerful senses in the hand, tip of your fingers. So we've been taught by the sunnah to eat with your hand. And you know, till today, they say the best way to eat your food is sitting on the floor with your legs crossed. S sitting on the floor and eating. For your digestive system. Is it because of where, how the stomach is and everything? Yeah. And even engages a certain core uh, muscles in terms of helping you with your digestion. Because even if you look at your digestive system and, and you so, sort of look at the muscles that's involved in your stomach, there are three different muscles. There's muscles in almost everywhere there to support you these things. Involuntary muscle, smooth muscles that they, they they're gonna be they're gonna be working. So look so how right, man. You saw because when we look at like food in itself, yeah. So look at the disconnection we have. We don't see the food. If you think about like we don't see it grow. No. The livestock we don't see it grow. We don't see it walk no. around that we eat. Yeah. Uh, it comes in packaging. Mm -hmm. So you might not even cook the food because obviously if your no, wife's cooking or you're cooking, it. whatever it is, yeah, you prepare. Well, it prepared, yeah. It, it can come prepared, yeah. Then it gets put on a plate. Then you use utensils. So the only time you have interaction with your food is when it's actually gone past your lips and it? it's going into your mouth. And that's almost, it's, it's almost like bypassing some of the important key stages of digestion. Because so if you look at digestion, there's three, pro I, I look at it from three stages. Starts with the cephalic digestion with the, with the senses Then it comes to chemical di uh, Mechanical digestion Sorry Mechanical digestion Which is basically You chewing the food And then everything else Is chemical So cephalic Mechanical Chemical That is These crazy, are the three bro. stages Of digestion And depending on What happens in the first Two stages It will It will sort of Manipulate How food is moved Throughout the rest of the digestion, once so it's it gone beyond, it, it dictates yeah. it. Yeah. And we, we, we call this gut motility, how the food moves from one stage of digestion to another stage of digestion. So many people, they eat their food, they get bloated. <laughs> There's a reason. That's me, bro. You know, eating your mm. food fast. And, and what doesn't help is that you see all these advertisements, everybody, like I say this a lot on my um, videos, they take off their shirts on YouTube, whatever, they show their muscles, oh, this is the diet plan. Or you shouldn't be eating this keto, this and that. They're just ruining your relationship with food. So, 
And they make it seem like this is the way that you get fit and healthy. And and it's not. Mm. What what is what that is doing is making you insecure, making you more depending on what others say rather than understanding your own physiology, your own biofeedbacks. And at the same time, it, it brings that fear tactic. And what we need to understand when it comes to human behavior here is that if we follow in this sort of we're falling into this fear tactics and whatever, it makes you less flexible, relying on others. You lose your dependency. You will lose your own confidence in what you're eating, how you're controlling your own food. And over time, you will rebel and you will give up. You'll eat, you do whatever your desire will tell you. For others, what will do, what that will do, there's an amygdala part of the brain, which is like the fear center. You keep tapping into that and in relation to food, what you're doing, you'll end up developing. There's a there's actual medical condition known as orthorexia. You will develop that where you're scared of food and all these bulimia, all these other issues will come with it. Mm. So you'll be literally scared to eat food. And you'll end up even eating, you're going to go to the toilet, put your hand on your mouth and sick it all out, throw it all out. These kind of behaviors will be triggered because of this bad relationship with food. Alhamdulillah, beautiful way to kind of round off the podcast. Alhamdulillah. And that's promised. <sighs> the mad honey. Let's get into mad honey quickly. And then uh, like, because I, if you don't mind, it's a formal invitation to come on again. Sure. If you're happy to come on, I'd love there's, to. There is there is a lot to. There's a lot to, to kind of unpack. Yeah. So I mean, a few months down the line, Shal, Shal, like, whatever. Yeah. Like we'll, we'll, there's a we'll, lot. We'll yeah. organize. Uh, there's a few things I've I've meant, made some mental notes, inshallah, that I want to yeah. ask you on another podcast. Yeah. So uh, if you've enjoyed this, inshallah, hopefully we'll Shal. get you on again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Mad Honey. Here's the thing. It, it, it has the Mad Honey. What is it first? Yeah. So the Mad Honey is this type of a honey that is made by the bees of the Himalayan mountains that's the Nepalese mad honey because you also have the Turkish mad honey as well okay there are other places in the world but it's mainly from Nepal for my experience the Nepalese one is the is something different it's chung yeah it's something different <laughs> <laughs> now what it is with this, I'm going to specifically just talk about the Nepalese one okay, because this yeah. is the one I've got sort of more experience. I've done more research and, and my other stuff is from Nepal as well. So I have direct contact with the people who actually get it. Right. And what it is, is that you have these giant bees of the Himalayan mountain. What they do is that they go around, they literally go around the whole of the Himalaya, Himalaya mountains and they collect nectar from over 36 different type of plants. Or even you can call them herbs. Now, they go and collect it. And of course, then that's where the honey is made. Now, the reason why the, the honey, this mad honey has got the reputation to hallucinate you is because of the gray anatoxins that's found from a type of a flower, which is known as the rhododendron. It's one of the flowers that's also very commonly grown there. So this gray anatoxin can, it's a toxin. It can hallucinate you. So, but it, but think about it, all other plants as well. It's it's not just the gray anatoxins from this specific one type of plant. There's other type of plants that this honey is made from. So what they do now, these honeys, they go and settle on the cliffs of these mountains and they have their hive there. 
And then what the people do, they go on, they use, you can Google it, you can see for yourself, these crazy tactics of just ladders and ropes to go top of these mountains high, high, and they collect the hives and they come down and they get the honey from it, from the honeycomb, and then you get the honey. What's what's noted here is that it's only in the recent times and you could say the newer generation that they're going over there and they're taking in a way that it could hallucinate you it's about how much you take that's where the important thing is here if you take too much of it then it can affect you then you can hallucinate in a sense for some people there's been cases of people not being able to feel their legs so it can <laughs> paralyze you from down below for certain yeah. period, twenty four hours. Yeah, twenty four hours. Yeah, that's that's what this one case was like. So, what about the Islamic permissibility of this? Good did point. you look into it? Did you speak to people? So I did speak to people. Okay. Right. Um, and I don't think they wanted to be sort of. No, no, no. Anything. You don't have to. No. Um, so I spoke to them. I said, I uh, first and foremost, I said to them, "This is what it is. This is what it can do." And they they knew about it before as oh, well. Okay. They said it's going to probably take the same ruling as anything else that intoxicates you. But I said to them, okay, and having to spoken to the people who use it, who've, who've traditionally used it for medicinal purposes, they they utilize it like this with this amount and they recommend for you to take this much. So what if you got somebody like myself who's a healthcare professional who knows about this stuff and knows how to utilize it and what it, and, and give people the safe dosage? What about that? He goes, in that case, it should be okay. It's like anything. Yeah, because uh, opioids is heroin, basically. There you it's go. The same thing, or marijuana, medicinal medicinal marijuana. Yeah, if it's prescribed, I'm 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 not giving fatwa here. It's just no. Exactly. You can go. You can go well, no, and do your own and, research. Do your own research. I'm not here to say yeah. not to go and go pick up eight from your local <laughs> drug dealer. Yeah, but no, I'm saying exactly. there are there are like there's there's like medicine is poison, isn't it? That's really what it is. It's yeah. like uh, there's there's a fine balance between it being poison and it being therapeutic. Exactly. You know, even yeah. paracetamol can kill you. Yeah? Exactly. If you take the wrong wrong dosage. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but what? So, like, obviously, you're not taking it to get licked out. Yeah. No. You understand that. Yeah. But and why are you taking? What's the benefits of it? Yeah. So, first and foremost, this honey is not just from one. It's over thirty six different. Yeah. Plants that has so many benefits. Second of all, where this honey is produced is far away from the pollution, far away from, mm. it's, it's from wild bees, you know? Majority of the honey that's available to us in the stores and whatever, this is just heated and it's just sugar. They're stripped off the pollen, um, stripped off the bee pollen, stripped off the enzymes. All of these things that's meant to be supporting our cardiovascular system, our digestive system, even protein synthesis and things like that. All of this stuff mm. that's meant to be supporting us in so many ways which you meant to get the benefits from honey, is stripped off. And then what you end up with is just sugar. That's what's available to us in the stores. But what you have here is pure, organic, natural, unfiltered honey from the mountains, from the bees that go and collect from not just one type of a flower, from one area, but the whole vast Himalayas from different types of flowers and plants. Because nectar flow is very important for when it comes to producing honey. And these bees, they're going to collect it over different type of, uh, 36 different type of plants. And then it's far away from the pollution. It's not sprayed. None of these plants are sprayed by anything. Because it's, um, there's, there's certain 
carcinogenic chemicals that are sprayed mm. in, in different kind of uh, farms where honey is also produced. And these bees, they they take the, the the pollen and stuff from these flowers and plants and they produce the honey. This stuff is going inside you as well. Glyphosate is one of them, you know? So it's free of that. And from my my opinion, I think this is probably one of the best honeys in the world. But it's about knowing how to take it. What I do, Does I don't... Does it help with hay fever, bro? You could possibly. I've, I haven't looked into that like, in look, terms uh, of the study, I, I but it's meant to. Like hay fever is meant, it's, it's meant to help, help with hay fever. Mm. If you get good quality honey. And where can we get it, bro? This stuff you're looking about two hundred pound for about two uh, two hundred pound for about no more than two hundred pound just for about two hundred grams. Bro, big bits, yeah. Those <laughs> are some big bits, bro. If you want the proper natural, <laughs> moving hard food. The hard food. This is like uh, From... cocaine money, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what? What I did, I just got one. Do you want to go halves, bro? <laughs> so two hundred grams. Yeah. Excuse me. I just I just got one. Yeah, what not... I do. I practice from an Ayurvedic medicine point of view. Yeah. So I get the mad honey, I mix it with shilajit to multiply the benefits of shilajit. Right. So you can get the shilajit, which I just sell on its own, or I get with mixed with mad honey. Obviously, there's differences in terms of the price, but in, in, in Ayurvedic medicine, it's very common to mix different herbs together, especially honey with things like uh, black Sidera seed you can yeah. mix it with ashwagandha you can mm. mix it with shilajit and like i say to you it doesn't matter as long as your honey is good it doesn't have to be the mad honey if yeah. you want to mix your shilajit we want, we want that mad honey vibes bro that's what we want and also you, you shouldn't put it on your toast basically no <laughs> no, <laughs> no it's, you're only meant to take about half um half of a tablespoon a day in 24 hours right half yeah, for and, 200 pound, I'm taking, I'm taking half. <laughs> you know, when the first time when I opened it and I smelt it, and this, you know, I said in one of my videos, I said, it's like you go into a Tesco and there's a wine section that got broken. Somebody broke, dropped oh, it. Oh, is that what it And you can like? smell like, it smells like that. Subhanallah. It's but, nothing like I've smelled before. Well, if you accidentally, by purposely take a little bit too much, what, what happens? <laughs> you're going to get, you're going to lose feeling in your legs. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. So it, it's <laughs> almost like created that, um, you can say sort of negative rep for mm. hallucinating, whatever, but people are ignoring the, the therapeutic, all the therapeutic yeah. and all the other medicinal pro uh, properties that he possesses, this honey. And I think it's one of the best honeys in the world. So you didn't ask my question, bro. Where can we get some of that it's, chung 200 pound? This is this is all in Nepal. Is it? So yeah. I have to go to Nepal? Uh, I get imported. Have you got a link, bro? Come yeah. on, man. I have my links for all this Can stuff. we get it off you? <laughs> are you selling it like... They only do the certain... I, I don't sell the mad honey, no. I only sell oh, the shilajit. So he's keeping, mixed. he's gatekeeping, bro. You're gatekeeping, bro. Okay, we have to talk off air. However, let's talk, however, let's talk off air, However, you can still get the second best thing, which is the Turkish mad honey. No, no, I want the listen. We want the like, Don't try and hide it. Oh, listen, we're, what are we going to do? Inshallah, next time you come, you should get it. We're going to put it here. We're yeah. going to both take a teaspoon. Half. Half, half a teaspoon Half of a tablespoon Let's take a, ta let's take a, take a let's take yeah. Let's take a tablespoon bro Me and okay, you Okay fine Okay Yeah <laughs> And we see what kind of podcast we got. <laughs> No but You know for cardiovascular health yeah. For even sort of um, For breathing issues Yeah For your lungs And for energy And even for your metabolism yeah. for This these The honey If you can get yourself good yeah. Quality honey 
spoon, one spoon daily, yeah. you can do really good. And that's where I utilize the Turkish mad honey. Because is it's that cheaper. It's cheaper. Like is it how much is it roughly? Like? You can get um delivered to you for about hundred and fifty pounds for one kilogram of it. Okay. Yeah. That looks like, it looks like a Friday night sorted bros. But I don't want B Tech honey, fam. I want that that but mad thing. Nah, the mad thing is only for Aid and you know those kind of days, <laughs> isn't it? But yeah, yeah you know, I mean, like very important, like a teaspoon of honey every day is pound. Like, especially like I'm not talking about girls, bro. But I remember my mum used to make it, especially in the winter time, isn't it? She's stuff it in our mouths and kick us out to go to school, bro. You know, yeah. I treat myself whenever I get cold and stuff like that. I like I don't go anywhere near medicine. Mm. For me, it's all about these things. Mashallah. You know, and. One thing I must say, when I've made these differences in my life in terms of looking deep into nutrition and behaving in this way and looking into metabolism, sleep and everything else, the biggest thing I noticed is that you don't get ill as often, your immune system is a lot better. And what happens when you do get ill, you recover quite Quick, quickly as well. Yeah. And health is really wealth because if you're recovering, you don't get ill too much, you're always working then. You're not off work too much. Or you can spend time with family, bro. Or you can spend time with your family. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So these these things, you can see that's how important that, you know, the four corners of, yeah. you can call it four corners of wealth. That's you it. You know? Mashallah. So how important this is to look look at balancing your food, managing your, your sleep, and then you're looking at your stress levels and at the same time being physically active. And that sleep, like you said, the doctor, Dr. Amir, like what he's talking about, Fantastic because you you looking at sort of how light affects you, yeah. Your screen time and this goes into your circadian rhythm as well. Yeah. There's a deep component in your brain which is far more important for sleep than than melatonin. You know, everybody talks about melatonin how it affects your sleep and it's true. But I've spoke well, I've heard uh, neurosurgeons talk about how they've cut off the sort of the pathways for melatonin, and it's part of the sort of the pituitary gland. Um, yeah And they, what they do Is that they sort of Cut off the pathways But the patient still Sleeps However There's a deep layers In the deep components Of your brain As part of your hypothalamus Known as the Superchiasmatic nucleus When they cut off The pathways from that The patient does not sleep That's more important And guess what Guess what affects that More than anything else Light And this is all Going into your Circadian rhythm Artificial light and the noise pollution, all of this stuff affects it more than anything else. So you can see what he's talking about is absolutely correct and he's absolutely right about this. He'd love to hear that, bro, as well. He's right. Um, Go back to the life of the ancestors. That's it, bro. That's it. You know, they slept when it was dark. That's it, bro. There was no fridge. Fresh, you know. Live like your ancestors. You don't have to go too far for that. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Very, very, very beneficial podcast. I appreciate you coming down. Inshallah, we're going to do the Mad Honey episode <laughs> uh, sometime in the summer. It will be interesting. <laughs> Inshallah, be interested. Maybe you could bring some stuff with you as well, like to kind of ashwagandha and oh, yeah, yeah. we can go through We can go through all those stuff. It'd be really good. Yeah, yeah like the CMOS, ashwagandha, yeah. all of these things. Yeah, bring all your tricks, bro. Bring your bag. Yeah. Just I'll don't get arrested, bro. <laughs> That's what I should... It's perfectly legal in the UK, by the way. No problem. Um yeah, interesting. And the shilajit and all yeah, that stuff. It'd be good to bring them down, inshallah. And we can, we can. And I should also ha- have my favorite, one of the, my favorite plants is actually turmeric, but it's not your normal turmeric. When you cut it, inside it is blue. It's yeah. known as the black rooted turmeric. 
and that is a tumor that you've never had and the the property but, but the thing you come it's going to be like 400 pound a stick bro or something but how much is that <laughs> i don't know i have to come up i have to see what my my person, your dealer your dealer my, my dealer in nepal <laughs> yes yeah, so everything for me i've got this connection with nepal so everything that i get is have you been from them i haven't been but they keep inviting me you know okay mashallah. Um, listen if there's a trip for a mad honey trip yeah look we'll do a, that would be crazy we'll do a grapple with life episode we'll yeah. we'll uh hopefully someone will edit the videos <laughs> 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 all right guys bye Cloth, that's all it that's it that's all you get bruv we don't want to give you too much information and spoil you yeah. um again if you want to uh follow amar i'm gonna i'm gonna put the links in the description yeah, inshallah yeah. uh, spc therapy you've also got a clinic as well yeah in newham yeah. and we're gonna, we're gonna include the website inshallah in the description um and on that note i'll see you on the next one